Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Good morning, everyone. This is the Golf Show presented by Michelob Ultra on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, and the WSBT Radio app. And the Golf Show is proudly brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Stay in, stay active, enjoy. Proudly distributed locally by United Beverage of South Bend. I'm WSBT Radio Sports Director Darren Pritchett. Great to have you with us on this Saturday morning. I am joined by the experts. We've got Tim Firestone, the owner of Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend, and John Foster, the general manager at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame, two of our championship courses here in the area represented on the golf show. Guys, great to be with you. We've had beautiful weather, and I'm assuming you guys have been pretty swamped this week. Good morning, Darren. Yeah, it's been good. Uh, a good week, no doubt about it. Same John, here, what about you? No, it's it's the same. Uh, I mean, the weather was um, was perfect. I know it was really really hot, but I think there's such a pent up demand for people to play it, it in normal summers. That may have affected play, but it sure did in this past week. We were busy sun up to sundown. And this sure is not a complaint because we've had some bad, bad weather in the spring, preventing people from getting out on the golf course. The first part of May was cold and rainy, so it was not great golf weather. At this point, could the golf course use a little rain, a little help from Mother Nature? Mm, We're fine. That's why we spend all that money on irrigation systems. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I just thought I would ask Mother Nature for a little assistance, but if you're good, then I won't even talk to her then. Well, I think my superintendent would love to have it because they've been here, you know, late in the afternoon and into the evening, uh, spot watering, hand watering, because the humidity has been so low. Um, Normally, when it's hot like this in the summer, there's high humidity, which means the the moisture stays in the soil. So uh, for those guys, maybe a little bit of rain, I, I would hope for. Okay, fair enough. So, Tim, your golf club made... A little news this week involving the Symmetra Tour, the Four Winds Invitational, a staple on the Symmetra Tour held every summer at Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend. Of course, due to the pandemic, the original date for the tournament was moved to July 31st through August 2nd. And then the Symmetra Tour on Wednesday came out with another announcement as they have reshifted Many of their dates on the 2020 schedule, the Four Winds Invitational, will take place. And as of right now, it will be September 4th through the 6th. Tim, from your perspective, what do you believe went into the decision for the Symmetra Tour to move the date of your golf tournament once again? Well, I think, you know, the driving factor was our week that we were um, rescheduled to initially was the first week back for the LPGA Tour. And the LPGA Tour had, uh, as you can imagine, every major sporting organization uh, around the globe, uh, a a PowerPoint deck of about 35 slides of all of the different precautions and processes that would have to take place. 
And I think the Symmetra Tour, uh, who obviously is owned by the LPGA Tour, um, you know, was, uh, and, and we were overwhelmed. You know, how do we pull this off uh, um, at Blackthorn? We don't have the resources, the manpower. Um, so I think it was just decided, let's, let's see how it goes on the LPGA Tour. And in a month from now, we really believe that we're going to be able to put on a first-class event like we always have. We're going to be able to add back in some of the events during the week of tournament week that we originally had to cancel. And I think the dedication uh, of Four Winds and the Pokagon Band is uh, so admirable that they were steadfast that they wanted to have a tournament in 2020. And so their flexibility and financial commitment um, has been incredible. And ultimately, that date uh, was kind of the date that uh, we found that was um, only one that was going to work. You know, we then get into Notre Dame football season, not knowing what's going on with that and hotel stays for the players and all those types of things. So uh, at the end of the day, we felt like that was the best weekend. And, and um, I think, you know, kudos too to the Symmetra Tour. They still were able to put together uh, a schedule that easily um, could have fallen apart this year. And uh, these young players need to play, you know. They need the money. They need the, uh, the, the experience and, and uh, it was really a great group effort for everybody to put together to try to find a way to make this work. Tim, the golf tournament's now two and a half months away. A lot of things can change. A lot of sporting events in the fall. It's a go right now until things change with the pandemic. I guess the one thing that comes to mind as a sports fan, I guess in my business I'm trying to follow all these different sports and how they're trying to come back. And the PGA Tour, for example, on Mondays, they will do the testing of players, caddies, family members. Anybody that's going to board a plane to go to the next event has to get tested. And the PGA Tour announced earlier this week for the second consecutive week there were no positive tests. So that's a great thing. And we've heard college football before every game, the game week, everybody is going to be tested. And the NHL wants to do it on a game day as well. You look at the Symmetra Tour, it's not a billion-dollar industry like the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL, the NBA. How do you imagine that's going to work? Do you believe the players at some point will be tested before they come to your golf tournament? Or is it more right now, hey, let's wait and see where we are as a country, and we'll make a decision on that very soon? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that decision has been made yet, Darren. Again, I think what's unique about the Symmetra Tour and the LPGA Tour is that you have players from literally all over the globe coming to play right. these tournaments. So I think if there was uh, um, an organization that, that needs to be tested, it probably would be uh, the LPGA Tour, given the, the geography of where the players are coming from. Um, but uh, right now that has not been decided, and I think we'll probably just have to play that by year. And um, I, I, I think ultimately for us is that uh, that we got to get the that onus and responsibility onto the players and onto the LPGA Tour and not have to manage that um, here at the local level. Tim Firestone, John Foster, Darren Pritchett with you. The Golf Show presented by Michelob Ultra on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, and the WSBT Radio app right now discussing the Four Winds Invitational moving to September 4th through the 6th. Tim, what do you think this means for 
sponsors, your ability to sell the golf tournament, fans coming out. How do you see this is all going to play out with the golf tournament now moving to September? Is this almost in an, in an odd way? And, of course, we're not making positives out of pandemic, but does this give you actually a little more time to promote your golf tournament and try to get people more involved? Yes, no question, Darren. Um, I think if people get more comfortable um, being around others from a spectator standpoint, I think that um, from a sponsorship standpoint, as companies get back and get on their feet, um, hopefully can uh, get involved. And, you know, a lot of our support comes from the vendors of at Four Winds. And, you know, Four Winds just opened this week, so they're just now reengaging with their vendors and um, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. It gives us a better chance to be successful and raise more money for charity. John, I'm going to ask you a hypothetical question, and if you don't know the answer, just throw up your hands and say, I got no clue. But just I, I'm wondering, and we talked about this a few months ago, but had the U.S. Senior Open been in 2020 and not 2019, obviously it would have been at the very least pushed back or maybe like this year canceled. Let's Let's just say they would try to push it back. With it being on a university golf course, do you think it would have made it more difficult to try to have the golf tournament, considering how a bubble is trying to be created right now at Notre Dame for the fall semester? Does it just feel like nothing ever would have been able to have been done this year had the U.S. Senior Open been scheduled for 2020? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was timing, Darren. The fact that it occurred, um, I guess, it would be this coming week. Uh, we're still early on in the university's decisions as to what to do on campus. So I don't think there's any way. If the USGA had given a thumbs up, I don't think Notre Dame would have been able to accommodate. Now, from a contractual standpoint, that's an interesting question. I have not sure. looked. I think I will now go back and look at the contract and see if something like this was covered for either party because the amount of investment that we had made up to you know this point last year if, if we had called it, uh, it could have been tragic from a financial standpoint. Mm -hmm. Fortunately for Newport Country Club, which was the site planned for this year, uh, it was called in late March, I believe. But Newport has such a huge clubhouse that their footprint was a lot different than ours. Uh, you know, We had all of those structures out on the course that had to start construction in February and March in order to finish on time. Um, they had very little out on the golf course, so although they had losses, obviously, uh, for the amount of time and, and effort they put into planning, uh, their losses were minimal compared to what ours had been. But I just don't think there was any way the university was able to accommodate uh, the, the yeah. senior open, at least the way it looked last year in that form. So we were very fortunate that we were in 2019. It would be interesting to know those type of contracts. Is there something for a worldwide pandemic, a, a catastrophe? Are there those type of things put in a contract? That would actually be a really yeah, interesting mean, thing to find there's out. There's a force, force majeure clause in every contract, especially that one. And it has to do with, say, a hurricane or a, a tornado that wiped out you know, all the structures on the golf course. Uh, acts, of, acts of God, acts of nature, I believe, is what force majeure okay. means. I don't know if that would cover the pandemic or not. I'm sure there are people throughout the world looking at that right now, whether it be golf contracts or other ones, in which events have had to been canceled as a result of the pandemic. Tim, just back to you from a Blackthorn perspective. From early on in the spring, you put your safety measures in place. You changed a lot of things in the way you do business at Blackthorn Golf Club to ensure the safety of the patrons and the individuals that were going to be around 
Blackthorn Golf Club. You want to put on this golf tournament. As you mentioned, you've got golfers coming from all over the world. And even with all the safety measures you have in place, is there any part of you that has any concerns at all about doing that? Or do you feel like everything you have in place and everything that Symmetra Tour wants to do would make this not only a successful golf tournament but a safe one? Yes, I think that, um, I, I again, I go back to just the nature of golf. And even if you think about the way our clubhouse was set up for this tournament, you know, to John's point, you know, our clubhouse is not big. We don't have locker rooms. So these players are not ever really intermingling, mm-hmm. True. you know, during our event at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, they pro- the closest they probably get is on the driving range and the putting range. And they're outside already. So I think from a safety standpoint for the players and for the spectators, I, I, I have no concern at all. Mm. Well, it's going to be great to have professional golf back in the area. We got really spoiled last year with the Four Winds Invitational and the U.S. Senior Open, and obviously we didn't expect a pandemic to hit our country, but we're dealing with it, and the show must go on. We're going to have the Four Winds Invitational September 4th through the 6th, and Tim, you did mention in one of your previous comments the hope is you're going to be able to re-add some of the events that you had planned for the golf tournament when it was scheduled earlier this year is that kind of the the 5k's and the pro-ams are those things that are now still a possibility at this point yes and i think you know again i think a lot of the things that our community took advantage of with this tournament were were the the week leading up to uh the actual tournament so you know the pro-ams which we were were uh, potentially gonna have to cancel uh the you know pro-am dinners we do a ladies golf clinic we do uh, the grapes on the green where you go out and take a cart out and, you know, try different wines on the course on Thursday night. All those events were, were probably going to be canceled. And now we feel like we can pull uh, all those off by pushing it back. So I think it's going to be a much better tournament for the community and for our sponsors mm-hmm. uh, by moving it back. So um, that's the plan now. And we keep our fingers crossed that uh, we can, uh, you know, still continue to improve and, and, get this thing under control and everybody can get out and enjoy some professional golf and the great thing about golf tournaments charities always benefit locally whether it's the pga tour the lpga tour the symmetra tour and tim your golf tournament has done a lot of great work for local charities in our community and i know you always pinpoint some things to help a local hospital each and every year so i'm just wondering if i don't mean to be nosy but i'm just wondering each and every year do you have an idea of something that you want to do for like for example the local hospital you work with and is it possible to still do something with that particular charity if the golf tournament takes place september 4th through the 6th yeah you mean are we able to still donate money is that what you're asking yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely i mean it's not going to be as high as we've been previous years, you know, we got up to hundred and I think $25,000 last year, uh, which is an unbelievable number for a tournament of our size. Um, yeah, we, we will struggle to get to that mark this year, but it'll still be, uh, an impactful donation and, um, you know, it'll still make a difference. That's awesome. That's really, really good news. So John, from your perspective, basically the second full week of Warren golf course at Notre Dame, being open to the public what type of week was it for you and i'm just curious if you've altered anything from your original safety plan after seeing everything play out for a couple of weeks 
no, we haven't. We're using the same protocols, even though the state of Indiana uh, loosened proto- safety protocols last Friday, uh, allowing uh, bunkers, or I'm sorry, rakes in the bunkers, uh, two people per cart. Notre Dame has chosen, and I, I spoke with our management about that, and they've chosen to stick with the uh, rules we had in place initially, uh, which are more stringent than those, which is fine. Um, the golfers have not been inconvenienced. Uh, they understand fully why we've taken those measures. So we haven't changed anything. It's been really busy. Um, I, um, I continue my career development in the area of cart management, cart sanita- <laughs> sanitizing, cart cleaning, and just the opposite of Tim and what I felt for years. I love it when people rent carts. When people come up and say, I'm just walking today, I, I just want to pat them on the back and say thank you, but I, I can't because we have to maintain social distancing. So that's been my life. Um, it, we're doing what we have to do, and, and hopefully soon we'll be able to staff up a little bit more. But business has been really good. Hmm. I have a feeling the cleaning of carts is going to be known as the foster very, very soon. <laughs> yeah. Wax on. I've called it wax other things, but Yeah. <laughs> So, Tim, with the loosening up of, of some of the rules, have you changed anything at Blackthorn this week? We have, yep. We uh, we are putting bunker rakes out. People can now remove the flagstick. Um, and we put water coolers out. Um, the clubhouse is still going to be closed. We're still sanitizing all the golf carts. Um, and um, um, But, yes, we've made some small changes this week. Do you guys suspect that you'll leave the tea time intervals the same throughout the year? Has that worked well enough? Or do you think with everything kind of loosening up, you can tweak things a little bit more toward the norm? No, we've, hmm. we've headed back to the norm. Have you? Um, yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, look, it's up to the consumer and the golfer to be smart mm-hmm. and stay away. So if you pull up on the tee box and there's a group still hitting, stand back, stay away, stay six feet apart, don't go close to them, and you're going to be fine. So, I agree. Um, that was our, our mentality on that. I agree with that particular line of thinking. It's, it is up to the consumer to go with the rules that have been established. So I'm with you on that. So I want to go over one more thing really quick, guys. We haven't talked a whole lot about equipment this year just because we've been dealing with the pandemic and the ever-changing events surrounding golf. So I would just like to get into a brief conversation, if you don't mind, about people when they go by a driver, how they know what to get. And this is what I mean. Some golfers hit the ball very low. Some hit it very high. Others fade it. Others draw it whatever the case may be, but I'm really curious to get your guys' opinion on how in the world do you help an individual decide what degree the driver could be or should be? I mean, you could have eight and a half, you could have 12, you could have any type of number. So, John, let me start with you. Do you like to see a golfer swing to see their ball flight in order to decide or give them some options on the degree that their drivers should be that they're purchasing. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into it, Darren. But we we're fortunate enough to have a couple of launch monitors, um, TrackMan, that uh, actually belong to our varsity golf team, and yet we're able to use them when we do club fitting. So that's been the most helpful tool. I mean, you can tell a lot by 
looking at the swing and the ball flight of certain people. Uh, but what TrackMan does, and, and I know when Tim and I first learned to fit clubs, they talked about a launch window. And at that mm-hmm. point with driver, I think anything fit between 15 and 17 degrees was considered optimum. So we just we, we couldn't really calibrate that necessarily, and we don't know how that interpreted into actual distance. Well, with the TrackMan, it gives you not only the launch angle, it gives you the distance that particular ball was going to was flying and it did fly the spin rate off of the club the ball speed off of the club mm-hmm. the swing speed the angle of approach the face angle upon impact and so if you have somebody hit a series of 10 to 12 balls with a driver uh you start to develop their their fitting uh, basically and what their specs are and then you move on to a particular driver. So as you know, Darren, the new drivers, everyone I know of, whether it's Tideless or TaylorMade, has some adjustable features where one can set it mm-hmm. with a bit of a closed face, an open face, more loft, less loft. So you try to set the, the driver up to the specifications that would fit the swing characteristics you've identified through TrackMan and have them hit balls. And then you can move to another driver and another. So the thing is that changes all of that would be the shaft. So these have shafts that are interchangeable too. all the new clubs. You've got so many variables, man. It's it, it, it depending on the level of play of the golfer and their degree uh, to how intricate they want to get this thing. Um, it, you can spend five hours trying to, you know, home in on what the actual specifications and what's best for that particular player. However, the average player will see immediate results with maybe, you know, a 10 to 15-minute fitting and hmm. one club that we provide them and one shaft that they would choose, and they can tweak it from there. So I, I know that's a long <laughs> answer, but there's so much that goes into sure. it. And, and, as much, and, you know, I've always kind of resisted too much technology in the golf swing because I think you tend to lose feel and other things, but there's no doubt that the track man has provided – meaningful information if you watch on the range most professional events every player has a track track man there that's mm-hmm. giving them feedback as to their particular ball flight on any given day so um anyway that's that's my okay. spiel so tim what are a couple of keys for you when you're trying to help someone decide the degree the loft of the driver that they're about to purchase well john did a great job there um i think the one thing that you know people have finally started wrapping their heads around is that everybody's swing is different and there's not one right way to do it. Some people come in with a much deeper angle uh, of attack. Um, some people are more shallow that you still hitting the ball in the center of the club face, making good contact. And so before, I think, you know, if you go back 10 years or so, everybody thought good players should be using eight degree drivers with dip shafts or extra stiff shafts, and every, that's what you bought, and that's what you thought it was. And, re, and the reality is, I think there's guys on tour now, John, correct me if I'm wrong, but I bet you yeah. have guys hitting 10 or 11-degree drivers uh, on the tour, oh, yeah. which is which is yeah. just never heard of before. That was for the yeah. higher choppers and, and hackers. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's how we used to sell it, you know? Oh, what's your handicap? Yeah. Well, I'm a five. Well, you need an eight-degree driver or a nine-degree driver. So it's come a long way. Yeah, no, Tim, that's a that's a really good point because 
with loft comes, um, you know, ease of um, or less difficulty in, in hitting the ball. That's why wedges are easier to hit than two irons because loft is forgiving. And that's why we would recommend higher lofts. What you find now is that the key to length and distance is lack of spin off the driver. And so a typical spin rate that the pros will get is 1,800 to 2,000 RPM off of a driver. That I've had students where I try to fit them that are spinning the ball 8,000 RPM off of a driver. And so you can lower that spin rate by, by number one, lowering the loft, but secondly, the type of shaft and the weight of shaft that they use. Um, guys on tour used to use 90-gram shafts that were like telephone poles. Uh, Justin Thomas has a 55-gram shaft now, which was considered a senior shaft before, but because it's light doesn't mean it has a low or a high tor- or low torque. It still has very high torque, a light shaft, and you can increase your swing speed so much with a 30-gram reduction in weight. Uh, there's so many variables, guys. It's just it's, it's really interesting to go out and hit different shafts on a track, man, and see the substantial difference between spin and ball flight and mm-hmm. carry. Uh, just it, it make your head hurt, and that's why Titleist, who we use, has their own fitters, and they come and fit us at least. And then we can, during demo days, we can arrange to have uh, players fit as well. Well, let me just yeah, ask I think one... That's, um, one quick comment there sure, on that. Sure. I think John, to John's point on the on the shaft weight, and when you were a good player to John's point, you, you would always get fitted into a uh, 70 or 80 gram, you know, extra stiff shaft. I remember having that driver. And I think the biggest technology change um, in shafts has been the ability for manufacturers to make the lighter weight shaft and still reduce the torque and the flexibility. Mm-hmm. Because before, you, it was like hitting a, um, um, you know, like a, a floppy, you know, noodle. Um, so they've really, the technology's come a long way in being able to have a lightweight shaft that still can hold up and have a guy like Justin Thomas, whose swing speed's probably what, John, 125? Yeah, yep, 120. absolutely. I mean, so that's really the technology and shafts that I've seen over the past few years has been the ability to lower the weight and keep the integrity of the shaft. So, Tim, yep. here's the Good closing point. question on this conversation, and I hope this is not too simplistic because you guys have done a beautiful job of giving a lot of exact details in this conversation. Let's just say I'm an individual that hits a lot of low-line drives. Does it make sense to get a more lofted driver to help get the ball up in the air or is it more about changing my swing to do that? Well, I think that's John's point. You got to get on the track, man. Okay. You, you could have different things going on. You know, it could yeah. be a club, could be a swing change. Um, it's hard to just generalize and say okay. that. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Fair I agree. Enough. Well, I think that answers the question right there. It's just not simple for the average golfer. If you are hitting those low line drives, oh, I'll just go get a, a 13 degree driver. <laughs> well, that may not necessarily help the cause. So I'm glad I asked the question and yeah. great analysis there, guys. Good stuff. So TrackMan is the key to life, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately it is, yeah. <laughs> Can TrackMan wash carts? No, no, it can't. And it can't improve my uh, transition at the top of my swing, which is really crap. <laughs> That's right. <so>. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're going to play next week so Tim can fix that for you. Yeah, I can't wait. Good I'll luck videotape you, it. and. 
hey, we'll videotape it and bring the audio to our listeners. That will be as good of a segment as we could possibly have. <laughs> yeah. yeah, mic us up. That'll be really interesting. You'll be a lot of editing in the editing booth. <laughs> well, right now there's we no editing in the radio world, my friend. It's going to be just whatever happens, happens. Uh, so there better we'll be to, uh, my best behavior. It, it's not going to be live, hopefully, because if it is, you need about a five-second tape delay so you can bleep out some things. Well, uh, it would be entertaining. Be that can go on social media. Anything goes on social media, right? That'll be the unedited version of that. Now, that would be fun. You, you, you put it on live, <laughs> like a Facebook Live, us playing a whole. That would be, yeah. yeah All know, three people that be... watch it would really enjoy it. You'd have to find another cart cleaner to come onto your show. <laughs> That's what we should do. We should have, we should sneak in to to Warren and just have the live video of John washing carts. That would be, and him not knowing we're there. That would be maybe one of the greatest segments of all time. Oh boy! All right, I got to get to break. This is the golf show presented by Michelob Ultra on Sports Radio ninety six one WSBT WSBTRadio.com, and WSBT Radio app. We're back on the golf show presented by Michelob Ultra Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett with Tim Firestone, the owner of Blackthorn Golf Club, John Foster, the general manager at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. I'm going to read a quote to you guys, and I'm going to get your reaction to this quote. It is from longtime golf swing analyst Butch Harmon, who has worked with the best of the best through the years. And this was his response to what is the secret to golf? Now, that can be a five encyclopedia series, but he narrows it down to this, quote, anybody who loves golf should go to St. Augustine to the World Golf Hall of Fame because there's hundreds of strange-looking <laughs> swings in there, and they all work because the secret to golf is repetition. Look at Jim Furyk. He's just about to turn 50. He still competes on the PGA Tour with a swing that, if his father had changed that swing to make it look perfect, we'd have never heard of Jim Furyk. The legends of golf have a lot of strange characteristics in their swing. The common thread was getting the club square at impact and being able to repeat it time and time again. Quote, unquote, I should say. So that kind of just narrows it down to a small little segment mm -hmm. of the golf swing. But I was just wondering what you guys thought about what he was saying there. We all have different swings. There are some wild swings. But at the end of the day, he says the secret to golf is repetition. So would you add on to that? Is he going down the right track? What are your thoughts? Well, I think it's just like what I said in the first segment. You know, before, you know, we would think that you always had to swing the exact same way. And in reality, you can have a tremendous golf swing with a lot of different ways of getting there. Steeper angle of attack, shallow <laughs> swing. At the end of the day, I think he's right on, on cue. It, it doesn't matter. How you do it, how you get there, you got to square it up and hit the ball in the center of the club face, and you have to be able to repeat it. I think it's exactly right, for my opinion. Yeah, Harmon's one of the few elite teachers, I guess, that, that really believes in that, though a lot of the others teach methods, and mm -hmm. they take other players and try to model their swing to, to a particular player. And I, I think what Harmon and, and the, his genius was always taking what a player had and and modifying that so that they could indeed square the club face at impact and repeat it. So what he did with Ricky Fowler, for instance, you look at how laid off Fowler was, 
The only way he could get the club face square at impact was to release it right before impact and, and let his right hand cross over his left. I mean, he just flipped at it, and that works great if you're doing it at the same rate every day. And he got him in a more steep position where he's actually swinging the handle of the club now, and it's repeatable. So, you know, there's a number of different ways to get there, but I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I couldn't care less how my swing looked and what the fundamentals were if I had a way of repeating it every time and, and squaring it up. Unfortunately, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I know how to teach it. I just don't know how to do it. I just had a conversation a moment ago with these guys off the air just watching the 99 U.S. Open at Pinehurst, and that was the second U.S. Open win for Payne Stewart right before his tragic death in a plane crash. And it was remarkable to think back and watch his golf swing because as he took the club back, his wrists stayed absolutely straight until he got to the top of the golf swing. How difficult is that to pull off something? like that i would have to think his timing had to be right on or he could get out of sync really quickly um i i as i said I, his tempo was so good that most people set the club prior to getting to the top mm -hmm. they set an angle and he was able to set it late because his transition was so slow and delivered at the top into his downswing if if the average player tries to set it at the top, chances are they're going to cast it. Their first move down is they're going to lose that angle and then kind of sweep at it mm -hmm. uh, and try to scoop the ball. So, again, he was so flexible, too. It, you've got to have a really good shoulder turn in order to hold the club without setting it until you get to the top. So he had some really unique characteristics, Darren, that allowed him to do that. I'm not so sure it's something I would teach unless you mm -hmm. get a student who's just absolutely got the best tempo in the world. Hmm. So this is a really hard question, and we'll try to keep it really generic and simple. You look at Jim Furyk's swing, it's like an octopus. I mean, he's all over the place. And then you have a swing like Tiger Woods. Are there a couple of things that are similar between the two, even though that doesn't look like it's even possible considering how they get from point A to point B? I guess my point is, there's golf swings that are all over the place, but is there a common theme or a common thread that links all those swings together? Yeah, I think it goes back to they all squared up at impact. Mm -hmm. I think the key is, though, there is a, 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 a simpler way to teach somebody to get it from point A to point B, and that's more of your traditional swing that you see on tour with Adam Scott and Justin Thomas and mm -hmm. Tiger Woods. Um, and that's probably how they were taught, you know, um, but it doesn't mean it's the only way. That's just probably the, the easiest way to get somebody to have the club in the right position, yeah. to have a more traditional swing. But Matthew Wolf and Jim Furyk and, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of different swings out there that that's just what feels comfortable to them. Um, I, I agree with Tim. You, you know, if you take a, if you would take a video and a, you get 10 inches before impact, 10 inches after impact, watch the club face, how it's squared. The other thing, Darren, that I think the average player struggles with, they might be able to pull off a one-plane swing, bring it back, bring it down, back to the ball. The problem they have isn't on a swing path. The problem is they're moving their center. They either raise up, they move their spine angle, they tilt one way or the other. So trying to get the club back to the same place from whence it came mm -hmm. is impossible because you've moved the center of that arc. And so 
I think when I watch players, average players, it's not so much that an inability to square the club at impact. It's an inability to stay still enough to have the club square at the same place it took off from. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but the older you get to, you lose flexibility. And the thing I'm suffering with right now is trying to shorten my swing to the point where when I bring it back, I don't have to raise up in order to get the club in a position because if you raise up, on the way down, it's a crapshoot on trying to find out where the ball is because you've moved. Mm-hmm. That's Next a good week. point. And everybody, um, you know, one of the worst pieces of advice I think an instructor or, or your dad or anybody gives <laughs> to someone playing golf is to keep your head still. Right. You know, you, you've heard that a hundred times, and that's – I could keep my head still all day, but if I'm losing my spine angle and standing up <laughs> and I'm moving laterally, my head didn't move. I didn't move my head, but I yep. sure am moving the center of my swing. But to John's point – which makes it impossible to make a clean hit. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. As a matter of fact, watch the better players. Uh, Dustin Johnson and these guys at impact with driver, their head actually moves backwards um, mm-hmm. as they raise up and they get the ground force. Um, so their head's moving, but their spine still maintains that same angle. I think I would like to point. spend at least a small segment next week. I would like you guys to explain to me why, with the driver or a three wood in my hand, I fade it, but if I get out a three, a four, a five, a six, I draw it. And I don't feel like I'm doing mm. anything different. So mm. gives me a headache thinking about it. Because it's not a lot of fun when you play the fade, and it kind of goes a little too far to the left. So we'll put that on the, the to-do list, if you don't All right. mind. All right. We need to take a timeout. More golf show coming up in a moment on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. The Golf Show is back here on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. So Daniel Berger won the first PGA Tour event last week. It was in a playoff down at Colonial. Guys, I think it went pretty well. It was good golf. It seemed like everything went well. No positive tests. So it felt good to have the PGA Tour back last week, and it was good that there were no issues. Yeah, I think um, everybody I talked to um, watched a lot of it, and um, I think that – did a good job. I mean, it, it, it's, yes. it's weird. It's goofy. Uh, the guy makes the hole in one, and you don't hear a sound anywhere, <laughs> you know, on the golf course. So, so a little eerie. But at the end of the day, I think people are just dying for live sports. I don't understand not having Faldo in his own booth at the 18th Tower. Why they kept him down in Orlando at the Golf Channel Studios? But they must have had a really good reason to do so. Maybe Nick had concerns. Maybe he didn't want to travel. Possibly something to do with that. But I just know in some of the coverage on Thursday and Friday, they had players mic'd up, and I enjoyed just Fowler and his caddy just talking about the situation, where to hit the golf ball. It was funny. They would say, well, the wind normally does this, but it's doing this now, and it's just remarkable how in-depth they get, that they know what usually should happen, but this is what's happening right now. So I think miking the golfers is going to make a big, big difference. Yeah, they just need more guys to agree to it. I mean, I guess yeah. from what I read, uh, Jim Nance has personally reached out to guys and asked them to consider doing it. Because um, I think well, there was only Fowler and uh, maybe Adam Hadwin and a couple other guys that agreed yeah. to it, from what I read. Well, yeah. May- These guys, I mean, they're so particular, quirky uh, about golf. You know, there's, once they get into their little bubble and they're playing golf, yeah. they, I don't think they like the introduction of another variable or another factor they got to be thinking about. And these are the ones that, I, whether it really matters or not, at least they think it would affect them. And that may be yeah. the reason they're reticent. 
Things are changing, though. They're going to have to adapt. That's for sure. We'll close out the golf show next on WSBT. The golf show presented by Michelob Ultra, proudly distributed locally by United Beverage of South Bend. What's coming up? Let's find out from John Foster, Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. Just looking at the advanced forecast, it's going to cool off a little bit and be very nice. So why don't you come out and see us at warrengolfcourse.com or call us at 631-GOLF. Tim Firestone at Blackthorn. Same thing, blackthorngolf.com. Book your tee times online and give us a call, 232-GOLF. I'll see you guys on the golf course next week. It'll be fun. All right, bud. Sounds good, man. For John Foster and Tim Firestone, I'm Darren Pritchett, the golf show on 96.1 WSBT South. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouthwatering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.